three, two, one. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Tom Millett. Or Millett. He, uh, I met him through Jason Horsley and his website and uh, podcast, uh, audiculture.com. I did an interview, and Tom and I just kind of chatted with each other about uh, subjects we were both interested in. And uh, on tonight's show, we, we've both been following kind of some of this new kind of uh, ufology involving Peter Lavenda, people like Jacques Vallée. And Tom has some per goes back and has some personal contact with a number of these people. So uh, he's going to talk about that tonight. Tom, are you there? Yeah, hi, William. Hi, great. Thanks for agreeing to this interview. How do you pronounce your last name? Well, I say... I say Mellet. My older brother says Mallet. Okay. So, so Tom Mellet is what I usually accent the first syllable. Mellet. Okay. Well, I got it right, so I, I pronounce it both yeah. ways. Um, and, you know, people who haven't heard your name or haven't seen your material on uh, your interview on Jason Horsley's Autoculture podcast, can you talk a little bit about your background and how you kind of came within the, the circle of some of these characters, Hal Putoff, Malay, Lavenda? Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, I guess I sh I'll start at the beginning. I was I was born uh, and raised in New York City, uh, Irish Roman Catholic, uh, growing up in the in the fifties, going to Catholic schools, and uh, <clears throat> and uh, I went away to college in uh, the late sixties, actually to an engineering college to study physics originally. Uh, but that didn't last, and I ended up uh, uh, going, well, going in the Army, and this was during the Vietnam time. This was like in the early 70s. Uh, but I was not sent to Vietnam, but rather to Germany. I was in, they assigned me into military intelligence and sent me to the language school where I learned to speak German, uh, and then shipped me over to Munich where I was, uh, uh, I was trained as an interrogator, but I didn't interrogate anybody. I just... I ended up editing reports uh, of the uh, the interrogators that were they were interrogating you know people coming from East Germany and all that. Mm -hmm. but was, was that Marcus was Marcus Wolf? Wasn't he one of your antagonists? Who? <laughs> Do you remember the name Marcus Wolf? No. Oh, he was the East German head of the intelligence there. So he was the head of the was it the Stasi? I forgot the name of it, but he was notorious. He was like. Uh, a notorious kingpin of all these intelligence infiltrations into Western Germany. Oh no, we this was mainly sort of debriefing people who were like who would cross get across the border mm -hmm. at that time. This is in the early seventies, <clears throat> but uh, but at the time I was always interested in the sort of uh, uh, you know I was a good Catholic boy. I uh, and I was you know studying physics and and all that and. Uh, but then finally, I, after I got out of the army, I settled in, uh, in, in Houston, Texas of all places. And I end up, uh, running into this book at a, at a bookstore called the spear of destiny by Trevor Ravenscroft. Mm -hmm. So I read that and got really, uh, you know, intrigued by it, read through the whole thing. And at the end, uh, there was this character called Rudolf Steiner, who seemed to be, uh, was presented as kind of the white magic opponent of the black magic, not Hitler and the Nazis. So I got 
really interested in finding out who was this guy Steiner. Uh, right, and the Spear and of I, Destiny, just to interrupt, the Spear of Destiny is the Spear of Longinus, who yes. was the Roman soldier yeah. who supposedly pierced the body of Christ. So that right. supposedly had, uh, you know, magical powers, and Anna Nerby and Hitler and these people, you know, I, I, some of the Spear of Destiny is rumored or reputed to be mythological and not fully nonfiction, but... Yeah. Uh, there is pieces of it that are true in that Spear of Destiny. I think there was a story where Hitler, it used to be in, in Vienna, if my memory serves me correct, and there's a story of Hitler staring at it before he came to power. Is that, does that sound familiar? Yeah, well, this, uh, I, I really, uh, once I got into this sort of Steiner anthroposophical movement, and I ended up uh, uh, studying to be a Waldorf teacher, uh, and I actually ran into uh, the two close colleagues of Trevor Ravenscroft, uh, who, who the author who who told who gave me the skinny of it about it, gotcha. saying that it was yeah a mixture of fact and fiction. And he told them he wanted to write an occult bestseller, and so he you know he played fast and loose with a lot of the the facts. He made stuff up. Uh, so I was satisfied, yeah, that it was uh, it was kind of like a fairy tale that got me awakened to uh, the the study of the occult, uh, which was perfect for me being such a good Catholic boy. So this is like uh, it was like uh, I took to this uh, anthroposophy like a duck to water. It was like he was answering the questions that the nuns and priests would say. Well, that's a mystery, you know. Gotcha. And, and so so here I was. Uh, taking in concepts like reincarnation, but in a Western way. Then I later find out that Steiner is sort of the Christianized version of Madame Blavatsky's theosophy. Uh, so, so I felt like in, in my own way, I could, well, I could still sort of uh, salvage my, my Catholic upbringing because it's kind of like a frame of reference. Because uh, in the Spear of Destiny, you have uh, uh, a thousand years before the uh, the the whole uh, uh, Parsifal myth, the Knights of the Holy Grail, and uh, uh, and that Hitler was supposedly the reincarnation of Klingsor, you know, the evil uh, 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 king in Sicily at the time of of the uh, uh, of the Grail legend. So so all this uh, appealed to me, um, and uh, interesting, yeah, Lee enough that that so I went off. And sort of pursued this 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 Steiner thing, and uh, ended up, uh, you know, ended up teaching in Waldorf high schools, uh, teaching math and physics because that was my background, and that's what brought me to Los Angeles uh, in 2003. Was I taught a couple of years at the there's a Waldorf school in uh, Northridge called Highland Hall. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah so that's you know. Uh, Can you distill kind of the the general uh, teachings of what distinguishes a Waldorf school from maybe a public high school or middle school? Yeah, it's kind of difficult because you, it's, uh, in a way it's, it's, uh, it's comparable somewhat to, to Montessori. Uh, uh, and what's really different is in the, in the lower grades. Uh, but I was teaching in the high school level, which is a whole, you know, which is just like in many ways, like a regular high school. Uh, the real difference is in the, er, you know, the early, early childhood. And uh, Steiner's view was that the, uh, you, you know, the, the human being was uh, uh, not just body, soul, and spirit, and that 
uh, implicit in the idea is that the 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 young soul re- is reincarnates mm-hmm. to these parents, and then and so there's a a spiritual dimension to uh, uh, to the education, and it's like awakening awakening the child in stages. Uh, in other words, <clears throat> you don't want to force the intellect on the young child. You want to uh, have them uh, do, you know, do like rhythmic activities before they really awa- awaken to the intellect. So it's like trying to delay, uh, the intellectual, uh, development. And then when it comes at the right time, uh, like at, at puberty, then the, the kids will have been prepared and they, you know, and they do as well as any, any other kids. I mean, gotcha. it's, it's got, it's, it's got a whole lot of problems. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not, part of the movement now and i i can under you know i i can understand the whole uh, waldorf critic side of it uh but it was just a for me it was uh again well always how does the spiritual enter the the physical and and the soul seems to be like a buffer between uh so i was always interested in that question uh and that was one sort of like, I guess, one part of my life or maybe one, uh, I don't know if it's one side of my brain or whatever. Uh, but the other one was, uh, discovering the books of Arthur Young, mm-hmm. uh, which I discovered in, uh, I was at the university of Texas about the same time, uh, I, I discovered Steiner's work and I was intrigued by, uh, the two books that I found of Arthur Young's that, the geometry of meaning and the reflexive universe. And, and in the early eighties, I went to, uh, uh, moved to Sacramento because there's a, there was a, a Rudolf Steiner college there, which did the teacher training. And, uh, and I realized that Arthur Young was in Berkeley and I said, that's only like 90 miles. So I ended up calling up, uh, tracking down his phone number, calling up and talking to him and, and he invited me over to, uh, to, to visit. And so that was, uh, oh, that was 1981 when I met Arthur, Arthur Young. And, uh, you know, that he is the, he's the man who invented the Bell 47 helicopter, you know, the one you see on MASH. Right. Uh, and, uh, he, his whole, in fact, but his whole, intention to invent the helicopter he said that was to that was to to ground what he called his theory of process that he'd been working on since the 20s and he he felt he needed something to invent and he settled on the helicopter fascinating gave himself he, he was really a philosopher yeah. before he was an engineer or a developer correct yeah, yeah yeah i mean his yeah that's the uh the amazing thing about him is you think well uh be, uh he, that the helicopter was just the means to a, an end, which was philosophical or, uh, or spiritual even to ground his own theory of process. And, and he succeeded in doing the, the helicopter. And then it was after that in, in the late forties, uh, that he met his, uh, and married his sec his, uh, wife, actually his second wife, who is Ruth Forbes, uh, Payne Young. And so this is where uh, the, the, the interesting, uh, the, the connections come in because uh, Ruth, Ruth Forbes, she's a, a Forbes. She's actually also the great granddaughter of Ralph Waldo Emerson, 
And uh, was she, it Walden Pond? Uh, oh no, Walden. Uh, yeah. That was different. No, Not, Emerson that was is different. Thoreau. That was Thoreau. Thanks. Uh, sorry. No, Ralph Waldo Emerson. You know, uh, uh-huh. uh, right? Uh, and but now her first husband before Arthur was uh, Lyman Payne, who was a uh, in uh, sort of an, an intelligence agent for the uh, U.S. before the CIA, of course. And they had a son, Michael Payne. Uh, and when they were so, so Michael Payne is Arthur's stepson. And then our um, Michael Payne, of course, goes off to, ma- to marry Ruth Hyde Payne and who befriends Marina Oswald. And they become like the, uh, the star witnesses of the NEJFK assassination conspiracy. Right. Uh, you know, they right off the bat, you know, oh, yeah, Michael Payne and Ruth Hyde Payne. Uh, like they were handlers almost, it seemed like, or they were guiding well, people. Is that yeah, I don't know. Right? But I, so what was interesting in that sidelight, I used to be a very much a, a, an assassination buff. You know, I, re- I read all the books at that time. But mm-hmm. the, once Arthur, once I got to know Arthur and then he, and he told me about, oh, yeah, Ruth Hyde Payne. Uh, and, and I got to know, well, his son, uh, well, Christopher, who was the, the, uh, the son of uh, Michael and Ruth Hyde Payne, and um, and is actually in the uh, was a toddler with Lee Harvey Oswald's two daughters who were young oh, at that time. All right, and anyway, uh, so so this this sort of caught me up short because I actually had a conversation with uh, Ruth Hyde Payne, and. And, I, and after it, I felt like that she could no more be involved with the JFK assassination than my own mother, you know? So it okay, like, so. Uh, so that got me like really sort of really doubting uh, and, you know, questioning, well, what is it? What about all these conspiracy theories that you believe in, you know? So, right. so, so anyway, so there's Arthur. Now, when you were, when did you meet Arthur? When you, excuse me, but if when you met uh, Arthur M. Young, was his wife there, Ruth Ford Payne? Were you able to meet her as well? Oh yeah. Okay, so you were. What part of Berkeley were they in? Do you recollect? Do you know? Uh, Yeah, they lived uh, near the intersection of College Avenue and Ashby. Oh, in the real, right? Oh, exactly where Uh, that is. Yeah, yeah, right. And I used to, I used to go in there. I used to visit them uh, a lot. Because I was in Sacramento, and then I would come make a few trips in to visit. And yeah, I had a, oh god, I had great conversations with uh, 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 Ruth, like and Arthur at the dinner table uh, when I visit them. And uh, you know, include that they, they uh, after Arthur did the helicopter and he married Ruth, they went off uh, to England and uh, other places to study the psychic phenomena. This is like 1950. And, uh, and I even had a conversation with Ruth where she said, you know, oh, I, yeah, we, uh, we met an interesting, we were, had this spiritual group, uh, group of people that we met, uh, in, in England. And, uh, one of the characters there was a guy, this, this kind of hack science fiction writer who was L. Ron Hubbard, you know, saying, well, you know, what, why should I, why should I write science fiction for pennies a word when I can make millions? I'm going to found a religion, you know? And so, so, so they knew that they were, it was like they were in the new age, you know, right. 20, 30 years before and, there was a new age. Right. And that was an uh, interesting statement that is remembered by those fellow writers that Hubbard yeah. had made that statement. 
You know, it's probably yeah. post Babylon working, post Jack Parsons, you know, but yeah. And this is it's intriguing because this is because of this. This is part of the what I call the provenance of TTSA, and and it will get you know uh, if I can get to it later. Right. Later, I mean it'll get to uh, it'll get to Crowley and Lovecraft through Lavenda. But right, we but we're getting to that TTSA for those who don't yeah. know is to the stars academy. Yeah. This, but but creation. it but for me it all hinges on my connection with Arthur Young. And, uh, so, uh, and Arthur, you know, I was never interested in ufology, but I got somewhat interested because he was, he loved the, uh, the, the, uh, what is it? The, uh, the, the writings that Billy Meyer, you know, this, the Swiss guy with the, the Pleiadians, mm -hmm. uh, but Arthur wasn't, he didn't care about the, the, the nuts and bolts of the, he, he was more interested in the message, uh, the, you know, the things that, you know, Billy Meyer was transcribing about the the beings and uh, you know how advanced they were in uh, in in the Pleiadian Pleiad, the Pleiades. You know, right. uh, so that was interesting. And Arthur was also very strongly into astrology in his own in his own way. And I was I I was into astrology as well uh, at at that time. But uh, so anyway, this. Uh, goes on to well let's see in the in the 80s i ended up going back back to texas uh where you know where i had uh uh well actually i had been at the university before and i went back with my you know uh second wife and i remember calling arthur up in 1986 uh and saying arthur i've just moved to austin texas uh, and he said, oh, well, I just uh, heard uh, the other day, uh, Hal Putoff called me. He moved to Austin, Texas. So, right, gotcha. so that's, so I, I only got to know Hal Putoff. Uh, what was funny is that Hal, Hal Putoff has a strong connection with the Waldorf education hmm. because his, he and his wife, Adrian Kennedy, they were married in the church of Scientology in the late sixties. And they had, you know, they ended up with five kids and, uh, they were the founders of what's now called the the, uh, the Peninsula Waldorf School in Palo Alto. Right. What street is that so, one on? I, you know. What's that? That was my hometown. Where Palo? Yeah. Palo Alto. Correct. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. No, I, I don't. No, so I, don't I know, know all I these know. areas. I know SRI. I know a lot of these places, Palo Alto. You know, I, I used to go to SRI actually when I was younger. Now, I, I grew up around a lot of professors. Oh, so okay. They so were you were there. At Stanford. I actually had been, no. I had been to, yeah, I can tell. I mean, it's very odd, but I didn't really know the totality of it. But, you know, I knew a lot of the stuff. But that Wardle School of the Peninsula, is that the Los Altos one? Yes, uh, it was. I think it moved around Los Altos. Yeah. Uh, but it, I think now I think now it's called the, the, the Country, Peninsula. Country Polar Day School. Little School, that one? Yeah. yeah. And... The 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 the, uh, the legend though that grew around it is that uh, they were looking for money. They needed like twenty five thousand dollars to open the school. This is like in the mid eighties and early yeah, I think eighty four, eighty five. And uh, Hal Putoff took the board members and he taught them associative remote viewing, and they invested in the silver futures based on their uh, remote viewing to predict, and they. They ended up making twenty six thousand dollars, and they opened wow. the school. Wow, fascinating! So 
this is the Waldorf school that was that was financed into operation by remote viewing. <laughs> wow. And and then Hal and then so in the late eighties, I would see Hal every morning because I'd be driving my daughter Amelia to the Waldorf school to go. And Hal would be he'd be the driver for his kids. So we'd we'd sort of meet as the uh, sort of sh the, the father chauffeurs gotcha. at the school. Uh, and I never I never worked with him. I just knew him, uh, you know, like like socially like that. And I knew he was doing all this this research at his his Institute of Advanced Studies, as he called it. And and at that time, I had no I had no knowledge of the whole uh, the connection with UFOs at that time, because I was never really that interested in UFOs. Uh, and it was only because Arthur and his stuff with Billy Meyer, but that was it. Uh, so anyway, uh, I actually, well, how, uh, well, all right. How graciously sponsored a paper that I gave at the, uh, uh, this SSE, the, the society of scientific exploration in 1994 in Austin. And I gave a paper. It was more, it was like a philosophical thing on the anthropic principle. I can, uh, but during the, uh, every, every day at lunch, uh, we were together. I would sit and I was sitting between Jacques Vallée and Hal Putoff at the table across, across the, the way from Christopher Bird. And we would, you know, we would be talking because Christopher Bird, you know, the, the secret life of plants, no, I'm not familiar with him at all. No. Oh, and he was a he was a CIA agent, American but fluent in Russian. He was that he was CIA. Interesting. Uh, and he, yeah, he wrote this uh, with Peter Tompkins. Wrote this bestseller in 1973, "The Secret Life of Plants." Never knew. I didn't know so that. He became yeah, yeah. Well, he was there. So, so and this was not for those who don't know who is Jacques Vallée and why is he important to, you know, what were the TT Stars Academy. TTSA, why is he important? Okay, well, uh, mainly he's, he's uh, in a, I mean, in a way, he's always been an outsider figure in ufology because he's not, you know, his, uh, you know, his, his book, what is it, The Messengers of Deception? I mean, he trying to tell us, well, uh, yeah, the UFOs are real, but they're uh, they're uh, deceiving us, and they're really uh, uh, they're conditioning us. So it's all this kind of negative stuff. It's like not, uh, and and he's you know, uh, a lot of people uh, into ufology they want the nuts and bolts. They they want they want to they conceive of it in a material totally materialistic way. Right. They they don't want any of this you know interdimensional or ultra terrestrial stuff. Uh, they just want it, you know, uh, you know, they want it, the nuts and bolts and, and, and how science can, uh, uh, you know, can figure it out. Right. But so Jacques Vallée, I think, uh, uh, see the key to me, the key is with TTSA is that it's his friendship with, with Hal Putoff from 72 onward. And they stayed uh, they stayed in close contact, and even when the the remote viewing uh, uh, thing uh, uh, died out, and but but then uh, sort of reincarnated in this uh, 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 Stargate project, and then Bob Bigelow comes along, and 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 you have the the National Institute of Discovery Science, and 
And Hal Putoff is, is like the head of the science, but you'll always see in the background, you know, they'll make it well, you know, uh, Jacques Vallée Vic, uh, came for a visit, right? right? Jacques Vallée is always around in the, in the, in the background. And um, so all of this, I don't know, I think through the, you know, and mind you, I'm, talking about the history of everything before the internet, you know, not before. Right. And then Arthur, Arthur Young dies in 1995. Right. Uh, as the internet really took, you know, got, yeah. got its grasp, right. Or whatever. Yeah. So in a way, whenever I, t how I know, uh, personally, uh, Hal Putoff and Jacques Vallée is pre-internet because sort of 95 is sort of a good, uh, cutoff year for them to sort of birth, you know, before the internet, before that, and then after right. that is, you know, uh, and then, so I guess this is, yeah, to fill this in, if I, I'm, I'm kind of going up chronologically to get to the present time. And, uh, when I had, I started with the, uh, the, the, the Arthur Young, uh, uh, Yahoo group, uh, started right. and then I ended up, uh, sort of being, a you know, uh, moderator of that for a while. And uh, that had interesting things in 99. Uh, 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 some of the people who were on the involved there were uh, Jack Sarfati, you know. Right. The, I know, Jack. I've, I've communicated with Jack. I tried to get Jack to yeah. uh, agree to an interview, but I think I didn't know enough about quantum physics to really. Uh, yeah, well, really yeah, he's, yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's a, a, a subject. Well, you know, all, you know, unto himself. Right. Which is, One of his best uh, friends was Michael, uh, Michael Savage, right? The radio host. Yeah, right. Yeah, Michael Savage, right. And, Michael uh, Weiner, you know, whatever. Berkeley. Yeah. Berkeley but, guy. but, but his good friend in the seventies and his book agent, uh, was Ira Einhorn. Get out. No. Ira Einhorn. The, the, the guy who right? killed it. You're right. He killed Ira Einhorn. I think he was the founder of Earth Day, right? Yes, he was the founder of Earth Day, and if you go, uh, uh, I I just sent Red Pill Junkie the uh, you know uh, Jacques Vallée's Forbidden Science Volume Two. That's his journal entries for the seventies. Yeah. Uh, that's where you uh, you'll find all uh, his if you look up put up, but you but you'll find uh, a, a good uh, you know thirty five references to Ira Einhorn. Fascinating. So right, Einhorn, so, for people don't know, ended up killing his girlfriend and leaving her yes, in a trunk yeah. in his closet, super creepy, and like oh, yeah. people would come to the house and there'd be a dead and body in the next room. You know, and denying it. You right, know, and, it. All the and, way through. Then he fled yeah. fled prosecution to France, right? And I think yeah, well, that's it. that was interesting because there's a sort of a family, and in a way, connection with the... Uh, uh, you know the present, the uh, the present day Nexium cult with Keith Raniere, mm -hmm. uh, because the uh, it was Barbara Bronfman who put up the bail money for uh, uh, Ira Einhorn. Get in out! Oh my God! Get out of town! That's so the Bronfman money, uh, and that's when uh, Ira went on the lamb, went to Ireland, and ended no up in idea. France, right? So and now there, I believe Barbara's. The, I think the uh, the twins. The twin young Bronfman twin girls who are they're in the same thing of, of financing, you know, Keith right. Ronnie well, Air. One of them right? just got arrested, so I don't remember. What's, and I've done, I actually talked to Frank Parlato, 
who was uh, very well acquainted with Ranieri and all these guys of oh, Nexium. Yeah. So that's an and interview. <laughs> if you want to listen to that or somebody else, it's online. And I also have been talking to Roberta Glass, who went to many of the hearings, his bail hearing, and, and saw oh. some of these people face to face. So um, I've been trying to follow the Nexium story as well. Yeah. But I did not oh. know that the Bronfman family. Oh God! Yeah, got a scoundrel so, like Einhorn out. Yeah, wow. yeah, because he is—he's like uh, to me, Ranier is a latter-day Ira Einhorn, or uh, or Hubbard, or something. Strange like that. way, or they yeah. don't—they don't know the full details of all of his shenanigans because he's been doing it for twenty years. There's a lot of things, and one of the interesting things about the criminal uh, complaint was that there are under—it was about trafficking or uh, engaging sex trafficking with fourteen-year-olds and under, yeah. and you know, it's not publicly known who those people are, where they are. So it's uh, it's that 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 story is still unraveling. Yeah. Well, back to Einhorn. Sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah. The the uh, because he was not only he was the book agent for uh, Jacques Sarfati, oh, and he also helped Arthur Young. He was a good friend of Arthur Young, and, and this is yeah. in this in this mid early mid seventies. He was a good. He was Arthur's book editor for the, his uh, Arthur's two books that I, I know that. So uh, he was heavily involved. And when did he get busted? When did he get arrested for killing? All him? right. Well, the, the murder took, of Holly Maddox took place in 1977. Gotcha. However, it wasn't the, her body wasn't discovered until early or 79, and then that's when he was arrested. And then the Bron, Barbara Bronfman puts up the money, and then he he jumps bail. Uh, and what I was getting to, the reason I brought this up, is that if they tracked him down in France in 1997. But it took them four years to extradite him before he, you know, got to, to Pennsylvania in 2001. He's and, still in jail, right? Or is he? Passed oh yeah, away? yeah, okay. he's in Pennsylvania. Okay. But what I'm saying is that at the time when I was uh, uh, part of the Arthur Young uh, uh, Yahoo group that just started in 1999, one of the first uh, uh, <laughs> discussions and arguments was Jack Sarfati arguing with. Ira Einhorn, who was, this is 99, he's still in France fighting extradition wow. and then riding into Jack. And they're fighting over this young guy who is Nassim Haramein of the Resonance Project in Hawaii. I don't know not if you've familiar. heard. No, not at all. Yeah, anyway, he's sort of a new age uh, gotcha. uh, uh, f uh, physics. Well, wasn't, uh, well Einhorn kind of was like a Leary, wasn't he? A new ager and this kind of future thinker if i remember yeah. correctly yeah so oh yeah he he's was in that uh, circle. yeah he was mm -hmm. and uh and so all it, and jacques Vallée, he was uh, had a lot of uh interactions with jacques valet which you oh, could read about know you know and oh. uh but the thing is he still uh of course he claimed that he didn't do it that he was set, the cia did it and framed him right and that's one of the things I, I still, I even today, Jack Sarfati still holds doubt. He he has doubts that Ira Einhorn did, did it. it. I wow. mean, that's kind of really, uh, you know, that's, that's a real problem when you're, if you're that out of touch with reality. <laughs> I mean, uh, anyway, so. Uh, so you were running this, uh, this YouTube, you know, right at the really beginning, this message boards were much bigger there in the yeah. 90s, right? Yeah, Yahoo. So you're communicating. Yahoo mailing lists mailing lists or you know groups and uh, but so other people are in there but what would just before we get to that what was the institute for the study of consciousness in berkeley that was okay well that was the that was the organization that arthur young founded 
actually, in the 50s, he founded the, it was called the Foundation for the Study of Consciousness. And then it, in the early 70s, it became the Institute for the Study of Consciousness uh, in Berkeley. And that was, uh, they, you know, he would uh, invite people over to have, uh, to lecture or to have seminars. I mean, I met, I was there in, in 83 when Richard C. Hoagland gave one of the first public presentations of the face on Mars. Wow, fascinating. And, and I, I was there in the front row holding it because this is 83, of course, long right. before the Internet. And he's got this giant, uh, you know, like a four by five uh, foot poster of the face, you know, uh, on cardboard that I was I was like propping up. As he was lecturing, you know, was did the uh, Institute for the Study of Consciousness was did it have any affiliation with the school, or it just was located in Berkeley? Oh no, no, it had nothing to do with the school. Okay, although it was down down the block, I remember he was a few blocks down from uh, uh, Fritjof Capra, who would come in. They would occasionally, and they would argue physics. Uh, Interesting, because uh, you know Capra was there at Berkeley. Uh, and it was just sort of, it was just Arthur's uh, house and, gotcha. and the institute that he, okay. he had created. But it comes out of his, uh, the early, it was going on since the 50s, really. And, uh, and this is why Arthur, there's a, there was a book out by, uh, written by David Tal, uh, no, uh, Talbot. No, not David. Well, anyway. Talbot Stephen was, Talbot. Uh, uh, was it the devil, devil's chessboard? Right. No, no, I'm, so, I'm talking about, uh, no, not Talbot. I think it's, okay. I think I got the name wrong, Kaiser. Anyway, it, it, there's a book out called The Hippies Who Saved Physics. Okay. Yes, I've heard of that. Yes. I think it's David Kaiser. That's Yeah, the, that sounds right. Kaiser. I've actually been in contact with him. He didn't agree. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't agree. Yeah, he's at MIT. Right. Anyway, he, he writes this book about, and you know, of course, the main hippie who saved physics is Jack Sarfati, right. but it's that whole crew. Yeah. Well, if you read it, you read about Arthur Young there, and it's sort of like Arthur Young is is presented as kind of like the Gertrude Stein character who had this salon in Berkeley, where which is true, where all these these uh, hippie physicists met in the early seventies, although they went their own way after that. But uh, you know that that whole crew of, that's in that book, you can read about Arthur in that in that book, and uh, you know as well as Sarfati and. Uh, Saul, Paul, Sirag. Yeah, they're and, all there. All the big, big names yeah. of physics in, and, uh, in the Bay Area. And then, uh, you know, uh, Jeffrey Mishlov, who's not a physicist, but of course right. he he wrote the roots of consciousness really out of his. And uh, Mishlov was a kind of a disciple of Young as well, I think. If oh I remember. yeah, because, and, and Mishlov yeah. is still around, I think. But he oh, yeah. used to do be a pre-internet cable show where he would interview people like Valet yeah, thinking aloud Potter. thinking aloud yes and it's back oh I've interesting it. yeah it's back uh now i got to know him uh well very interesting because he uh well when he was doing his phd in parapsychology at berkeley he was rooming in arthur's house oh, you know at that time that's what it back now, in the day when he was young 20 probably in his 20s right or early 30s yeah now Arthur, when I got to L.A. in 2003, uh, I had Arthur, you know, well, had been dead eight years, but he had always told me about this guy, Obadiah Harris, who took over the PRS from Manly Palmer Hall. Oh, down here. get out of town, yeah. yeah. That's the, so, 
what PRS is the paranormal research? No, uh, philosophical, philosophical research. right? And that's uh, in Las Feliz. That's all in Las Feliz Boulevard, actually. Yeah, Las Feliz and uh, uh, Griffith Park uh, Boulevard, right? Right. At, if you go down the yes. hill there. Well, when I got here in 2003, I immediately went to see Obadiah Harris because he was a good friend of Arthur Young. And indeed, there's an Arthur Young annex in the PRS library. So anyway, so I got to know uh, Obadiah Harris and also on the faculty there of, of uh, Obadiah was an educator and he transformed PRS into what he calls UPR, the University of Philosophical Research. And it's like you can do you can get a master's in, you know, uh, consciousness studies, mm -hmm. uh, distance learning. Uh, at at UPR now. That's how. Fascinating. And these they work. had a very substantial library. I don't. I think it's still yeah. there. And this is oh, it's still there. Yeah. Pre-internet, so they collected tons of books. I mean, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. yeah and it's I a nice just piece of property too. Yeah, and I just read about it in in Jacques Jacques Vallée's in the set early seventies. He was there. He and Alan Hynek and a third guy. They all went to visit. Manly Palmer Hall and, and sort of had a, an hour's conversation with him at, at the, uh, so that was interesting to yeah, see. So that, what that was, was his a, main book? It was, uh, the secret teachings, secret teaching through all of the all ages. ages. Yeah. Yeah. Of all teachings. ages. Yeah. The secret yeah. teachings. Uh, and then, and I just found out, uh, you know, this is weird too. Uh, I just found out yesterday. All right. I told you about, uh, Arthur's, steps on Michael Payne and Ruth Hyde Payne is connected with Lee Harvey Oswald, right? Yes. Well, I just found out that that Manly Palmer Hall was doing hypnosis, or he was a hypnotist, and one of his clients was Sirhan Sirhan. Wow. Fascinating. Didn't know that. In fact, this is, and like, it's really eye-opening because this happened, uh, of course, this is '68, but in the in the mid '60s, Sirhan Sirhan would would spend a lot of time at the PRS, and he and Manly and he had some health problem with his eyes, and Manly was 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 hypnotizing that him. That is incredible information. Where did you find that? It, it's in the it's in the books. Uh, it's in actually three of the you know the books that have been written about. The, uh, the 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 weird stuff about going on about the RFK, RFK. assassination. Well, you know, there's still I, there's this is still going on. That that case has been resurrected. Yeah. And uh, who's the attorney who took on the case? I mean, there's a couple attorneys. Uh, legitimate. Yeah. The guy who worked on the shooting of Martin Luther King is now taking up the Syrian. Oh Syrian yeah, case. right. I heard about that. But, so it's but uh, what they did was what in this just this and it's only like a half page in each of these uh, books. It says that when the police uh, that night, when they got Sirhan to Sirhan's car, and what they found in the back seat was a book on healing by Manly Palmer Hall. Wow! And now they didn't, and the the authors were saying it seems strange that they didn't really follow this up. They didn't interview Manly Palmer Hall. Why? They think because the mayor of Los Angeles at that time was uh, Sam Yorty. Is it? Yorty, he was the mayor, and he was a he considered Manly Palmer Hall to be his guru. Fascinating. Now, Mayor Yorty, after the day after the the uh, Kennedy assassination, you know, it's in Los Angeles, 
Right, Ambassador Hussel already, on Wilshire. And suddenly, for whatever reason, why did he, he declared Sirhan Sirhan to be a communist? And the authors speculated that they wonder if it was to def deflect attention away from because he was no communist. He was more into the new age. He was into Rosicrucianism. Right. And he was into Manly Palmer Hall stuff. And, and it's almost like they said they really come out and say, well, maybe, you know, Yorty did not want the investigation to 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 hit his guru, Manly Palmer Hall. So anyway, that that really that is but, remarkable. And what and from my point of view. It's, again, a connection with Arthur Young, because the only reason I got really connected with PRS here was through Obadiah, because Arthur, back in the 90s, was telling me all about, you know, his friendship with Obadiah Harris. You know, he said, if you ever get to Los Angeles, look him up. He's at the PR, no, which how, I did. What's, what's Obadiah Harris's background and how did he become the head of PRS? It, what qualified him? That was well, amazing. Well, interesting. He was, he was an educator. He was like the head of the, maybe not, he was involved in college education, university education. Uh, and he was at the University of Arizona. And after Manley died under odd, strange circumstances, right. what, 19, I think 1990, uh, they, were, they were looking for a successor and they hired Obadiah to look for a successor. Gotcha. Uh, and they couldn't fi find any and finally... He just well, they just said, well, how about you? <laughs> you right. So he was yeah. he was first hired to, uh, you know, to search for a successor, and then he became the successor. But that sounds like the story told about how they found Dick Cheney to be vice president for Bush. They anointed oh. him to go find, you know, and then all of a sudden he becomes it. Uh, interesting. <laughs> so yeah, but hey. But hey, we got to get up to we got to get up to Lavenda because we're taking uh, our time. We've gotten there. We've laid a very solid foundation. Yeah. So we go back to you being on the message board. Yeah. And talking, you know, being a friend of Arthur Young, knowing yeah. some of the early followers, Valet, Sarfati, all these kind of. All right. So yeah. Things. <clears throat> and then I notice in uh, 2006, I get a, 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 a you know a new subscriber comes on and it's Peter Lavenda and I reckon I know the name you know and I said oh he had these uh something about he was uh with the the books on the Nazis and the occult right. and the sinister and so, forces sinister forces yeah trilogy. sinister forces so he you know he would occasionally write in and it was pretty low-key uh 2000 yeah it was 2006 uh and and then me and a uh, my buddy Bob Friend, who was uh, on on the Arthur board, we we ended up you know having like a sort of uh, uh, palling around a three way email with me and Bob and and Peter, and it wasn't uh, he wouldn't he would you know it was me and Bob were writing each other every day and maybe every two weeks Peter would would chime in, huh. but uh, anyway uh, so I. I, because I grew up in New York City and Peter was in the Bronx and he was Catholic, so we had this kind of New York City rapport uh -huh. uh, going. And um, and and he said, you know, the reason he <clears throat> the reason he joined the Bard is he wanted to see about because he's interested in uh, Arthur Young and his connection. Uh, two things: his connection with the JFK assassination through Ruth Hyde Payne, mm -hmm. but the other is. The title. What's the title of of, of the first volume of Peter's uh, Sinister Forces trilogy? It's the Nine. Right. 
All right. So. Well, that goes to back to the nine uh, coming from the uh, uh, the um, the transmissions or the the, the channeling of uh, the Hindu doctor Vinod, which took place at, at the Round Table Foundation in Maine in 1952, orchestrated by Andrea Puharic. Gotcha. Right. And the the. The se- well, I don't know if I call it what. Maybe it wasn't a séance. I think it was just more a channeling session. But the the characters who were there, who were present, were you know Arthur and Ruth Young and uh, Bo- you know uh, Bouvier and uh, all these uh, uh, you know rich uh, scions of, of like uh, wealthy uh, fam. Well, wealthy Eastern wealthy, families. Yeah. 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 This is the nine. Uh, and so Peter, I think, was more was that's what why Peter came to uh, uh, an Arthur Young group. Do, do you think that he found out about the Nine, or about? do you think that he got his details from your message board? Oh, no, no, no. Okay, so he no, kind of no, knew he, about it. No, he, he came on in 2006, and his, uh, I think his Sinister Forces had already come out. Gotcha. I mean, so he was Yeah, I mean, to... he was, yeah, he had, yeah. What kind but of that... information did the Nine channel to the participants? Do you know what the kind of gist of their transmission was? Well, yeah, it's uh, that there are nine principles uh, of operating in the universe. And this, uh, you, you could actually, uh, well, you mentioned Esalen early on. They right. went um, after in the, in the seventies, they, they, they were at Esalen because, uh, Phyllis, what's her name? Phyllis Schlammer. No, 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 not Schlafly. Phyllis Schlemmer. She channeled the nine at Esalen in the ninety right. in the seventies. Well, it goes deeper than that because apparently McCarthy, the guy who started Esalen or has that piece of property says that the nine oh. are really the spiritual progenitors and founders of Esalen, you know, that they're, providing yeah. information and you got Leary there you got Robert yeah. Anton Wilson giving speeches there I think that uh Manson yeah. of all people was there a week before the Manson murders which is pretty remarkable that yeah. fact is true so and of course Jack Sarfati is there too be Jack Sarfati has his own uh rendition of uh you know being uh called up on the telephone when he was 13 in in Brooklyn you know by uh uh a mechanical robotic voice that you know said chose him to be uh, uh, you know one of the the people who would bring uh, knowledge of the of the uh, uh, UFOs, but also but it turns out to be the same as the nine. Fascinating, right? So this is yeah, and this is uh, yeah. So this so this was the the title of. Uh, uh, Peter Lavenda's first uh, the first book in the trilogy, right? In the trilogy of Sinister Forces is the Nine. Uh, so, anyway, so I hadn't. Um, so from 2006 to sort of like 2000, you know, I don't know, 14 or something like that. Yeah, well, the the uh, the. <laughs> The uh, the Yahoo group sort of faded away. It was you know it, it lo- a lot of people lost interest, and I ended up you know just sort of uh, I was definitely an absentee moderator, but nothing was going on really. 
until around 2011, and this is interesting, interesting sidelight. Uh, have you heard of Foster Gamble? No, I've not. The Thrive Movement, the Thrive Movie. It sounds uh, familiar. Well, he, what is it? Yeah, it was a movie that he made. Now, Foster Gamble was a very, uh, very close uh, uh, friend and confidant of Arthur Young. Gotcha. Uh, and Foster Gamble, of course, is the uh, he is part of the the Gamble of Procter and Gamble fortune. Gotcha. And so he had like uh, you know an extra kind of seven or eight million hanging around, and he decided to make this movie, uh, which came out in 2011 called Thrive. Right. Gotcha. Uh, anyway, and it it and it had oh I don't know I, I, it, it's something you could look up, but uh, anyway, so 2011 and uh, I was like saying oh God he's got the, you know he he's got David Icke in it and uh, oh. uh, it's kind of you know and there's like a whole kind of a thrive movement kind of a cult that he's built up around it, uh, but then you know I, I sort of let it all go. And really, I mean, and think of it, I think of it now, it's about for 10 years, because it wasn't until 20, 2016, uh, and specifically the WikiLeaks of John Podesta's emails, in, which is, I guess, October of 2016. Right. And that's where, all of a sudden, I realized, you know, Peter comes out of the blue and says, well, I'm, you know, I'm writing these books for Tom DeLong and uh, and he sent a photo that was taken in 2015 of uh, in Washington of of him and Tom DeLong and the uh, and John Podesta and AJ Hartley and yes the, the other author uh, and so suddenly out of the you know oh my god what is this about uh, Peter I I would never have predicted this for Peter Lavenda but here he is uh, and then I find out when, when To the Stars comes out that the, the main scientist in it is Hal Putoff. Wow. And I said, oh, my God, this is like, you know. <laughs> so it's all still, still relevant. The past yeah. is present, and so, right? And so suddenly, because my thing was sort of lying dormant from 2006 to, to 2016, like for 10 years. And then all of a sudden, Lavenda, you know, is connected with this group that's right. uh, that has Hal Putoff and Jacques Vallée writes the introduction to to uh, uh, Peter's book. Peter's uh, ghost written book, right? I think he go. I think he was the ghost writer. I, is he on the title of Secret Machines? Uh, well, no. It's it's it says Tom DeLong and Peter Lavenda. Gotcha. Uh, Tom DeLong couldn't, you know, doesn't is not the right. It's all right. Peter Lavenda. It's all Peter Lavenda, right? Yeah, but I mean, I, I I overheard Lavenda saying, and maybe he stated it inadvertently, but he was paid to write it. You know, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he, maybe he should. Yeah, he was paid. Yeah, because yeah. and it turns out Tom hired him or in 2014. Uh, uh, so so he he didn't really come on the scene, and and this is what's so fascinating because you know I mentioned you know. The, the the landed gentry or what do you call it the the super rich in America well uh, well Bronfman's are Canada but you know right. uh, but of course you think of David Rockefeller right uh, and what I'm getting to is one of the uh, members of the board uh, uh, of of TTSA is Christopher Mellon God, a CIA incredible. guy 
Wow. Who is of, of course, of the Mellon uh, banking dynasty, right? Hitchcock. Yeah, what was Mellon. it? Which, which was it? Mellon Hitchcock, who had yeah, the big yeah, house he, yeah. where Leary was he at. He was the the great the great uh, LSD uh, provider, right. in, this, provider. In, the, right. in this late sixties, right, with and, Timothy but, Leary. In um, fact, in an even was, broader analysis, Tom is that he was really kind of in, involved in culture creation through Leary, yes. and all of these yes. other people. So you have this wealthy banking family financing what was the name of the building i wish i could remember. i can't remember it offhand but the building that they were that leary went to i um, mean you mean his the house in poughkeepsie yes do you remember the name of that no but that's that was financed by uh uh billy hitchcock mellon right millbrook millbrook estate Mil, millbrook estate right yes. yeah well that's billy hitchcock mellon or mellon hitchcock anyway uh but now so one of the things, uh, you know, the blogger recluse uh, of V-I-S-U-P, Visip, he's a, all right, I, I should send you that. He, you know, he's kind of like uh, taking the torch of Peter's sinister forces and going his own way with it. Well, it turns out that in now in 2012, uh, he calls himself recluse, did a whole uh, expose of the Mellon clan and their connection with uh, the CIA and, you know, the modern Mellons, you know, uh -huh. uh, and w which is true. And uh, and so that's 2012. And then uh, 2014, Peter Lavenda suddenly, you know, gets with Tom Long. Well, now wh why is he he's not going to bite the hand that feeds him, right? He's no. not going to write anything about the sinister forces involved with Christopher Mellon, but early, I don't, do you remember early this year, there was a Bitcoin billionaire who died in uh, Cancun uh, yes. uh, going to an ayahuasca retreat? Yes, a very suspicious death, no less. Yeah, very suspicious death. Yeah, Not reported, not covered. Right. And this occurred, now this guy also Two weeks before he had dinner with Donald Trump, right? I, I, yes. a, about discussing. Uh, well, do you know the name of this guy? No, I don't remember no. it offhand. His name is Matthew Mellon. Mellon, right? Wow. And he is the kid brother of Christopher Mellon. Wow, who is on well, the board of who's on the board of TTSA? Yeah, and this and. What is interesting is now this is like no one has ever, uh, no one uh, has made this connection. You they know, haven't so. reported it. No, they haven't reported yeah. his death in Mexico to yeah. any connections to the Long, Lavenda, etc. Yeah, and he is a, a melon, and this is, and this guy Recluse wrote up a whole article about it. Uh, you know, in, uh, sort of the. You know, uh, redoing his Melon series from 2012, he updated it. You know, wrote a fourth one for, uh, uh, you know, uh, for this. But this is interesting because uh, he is he is applying the sinister forces methodology that he learned from Peter. He quotes Peter in the 2012 article all all the stuff because Peter in the second volume of Sinister Forces wrote a lot about the Melons. Fascinating, right? I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, so now, but now it's all. What is now? It's like he flips around and he's he's 
in, in essence, like shilling for Tom DeLong's To The Stars Academy, you know, with the, uh, you know, Louis Elizondo, the guy who, you know, who, who quit the, the, the government over the, the UFO secrecy. Uh, so, and is it, is it true that he wrote two books or he's writing two books for TTSA, Lavenda? One with Secret oh, Machine? Well, he's writing a trilogy. Trilogy, okay. So he's done and one or two. The second one's going to come out uh, later this, later this I year. I see, okay. Uh, now, you know, so, so there so is Peter Lavenda. And, and so this really got me caught up in the whole UFO thing in the sense of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hanging out on the kind of the, the, the Paracast forum and then the sort of Facebook groups for TTSA. There's a whole bunch of UFO uh, 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 groups and, uh, and wondering, you know, this is like the, the big mystery for me is it is what is this connection? Now this is where Valet comes in because right now it's all the, the, the nuts and bolts people. That's what the focus, you know, like the, the, the fighter jet, uh, uh, video or camera releases of the of the UFOs or the right. UAPs they call them right okay. you know that came out in the New York Times article from last December so like this is uh, but lurking behind it is this occult stuff right and that's where that's interesting you bring that up because I kind of made that realization within the last six months or a year like I never really followed the UFO but I keep seeing occultists Occultist. What the hell is Lundavenda doing there? What's he doing yeah. in the desert? What's he doing at the contact in the desert? Why is this yes. guy who is Simon, the guy who wrote the Necronomicon based upon Lovecraft, doing in the desert with a bunch of UFO people? I mean, it's really yeah, awkward. and and you know, really, in essence, becoming the shill or the or the, the PR guy for Tom DeLonge's yes. group, for this group, yeah. which uh, <laughs> uh, anyway. So actually, well, this. This might be a good time to turn uh, turn back and and because I that's the thing that I've been looking up is this occult connection okay. you know through Lavenda and others, yeah. uh, but it like and I call it well the provenance of uh, TTSA, right? This is what really blew me away you know because not only Lavenda but then I see Putoff and Valet they're all right. everybody. It's like the whole gang is here. The whole gang yeah. is here. They really did assemble the whole cast, right? I mean, they yeah. got everything. And right. one of the interesting things, the TTSA, for people who don't know, To the Stars Academy has a very ambitious plans. They yeah. have like a film arm, a book arm. You right. know, they want to actually do literal spacecraft yeah. development. So they have a very broad thing. Yeah, and they're starting all, to raise money. I don't know how much that's they raise. That's all Tom DeLong. He right. sees himself as the Walt Disney of ufology. Wow. He is a that's Walt really Disney different. character. He even says it himself. Interesting. I didn't he know is, that. He is, and, and, you know, and I think it's so true, you know, like he's bringing like a Tomorrowland and a Fantasyland, yes. you know, updated for the, for the millennial generation, you know, that that's, uh, and so, <laughs> but you know, I've seen like corporations roll out with hyper ambitious plans, like they don't do yeah. one thing well, and they've almost always to a T kind of bungled and got lost and mishmash. And I kind of feel that same way about TTSA is like nobody can really get a handle on the totality of what are you doing? You're just like going to cover UFOs. I mean, Secret Machines yeah. is a not is a fiction book, right? I mean, is it nonfiction? Have you read Have you read Secret Machines? Only parts of it, uh, it's, <laughs> I yeah. loved it. I'm a sort of 
friends with Jason Calavito, the yes. arch skeptic, who Super because skeptic. we haven't even touched upon uh, Jason Calavito is an expert on Lovecraft. Oh, I didn't know that. And and so is so is, of course, uh, Peter, so is Peter. Right now, Peter's his Peter has also come out with his first novel, right? I didn't know that. which is the Lovecraft Code. Oh, okay. In the midst, that was that was in the mix here. He's he's not just doing this secret machines. He's do, and he's at work on his second Lovecraft novel. Oh, so sorry. why did that come out? That came out uh, between. Uh, there's another guy author named A.J. Hartley who has written the fiction trilogy uh, of of Secret Machines. Right. And Peters is the is the nonfiction okay. trilogy, right? That's how it's uh, presented. But in between, uh, Peter just last year came out with. The, the Lovecraft Code, his novel. Right. Okay. Uh, anyway, and that's when I wrote to you because he 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 said this is, uh, oh, he said his Secret Machines trilogy is his version of Crowley's Moonchild. Wow. Okay. Which I've just been reading through in the last week. I've read. Yeah. It's very so hard to read. It's not one of his easier. Yeah. yeah. Thing, but the butterfly net and all this stuff. But anyway, what I see if I go through the what I call the provenance of TTSA, it, it necessarily brings up the occult. And so here is, uh, so here we are with, uh, uh, who is the big, the real figure behind the scenes, the money man is, is Barbara Bigelow. Right. right? Isn't that Bigelow the skinwalker guy? What? Isn't that the guy who had all the hotels and the skinwalker ramp? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm getting to. The Skinwalker okay. Ranch and all the wild and crazy occult activity that's go been going on there that's wow. cataloged. Because that was uh and so you have this there's this real kind of ambivalence going on because you've got the scientists like Putoff and Eric Davis is an astrophysicist who works with Hal Putoff in, in, in Austin now. Mm -hmm. Well, Eric Davis was investigating as a physicist investigating the sort of poltergeist phenomena and weird stuff happening at the Skinwalker Ranch huh. in the 90s, working for Bigelow in the NIDS, the National Institute of Discovery Science. Wow. That's, so was that Eric was, Davis the guy who wrote Technosis? The same guy? No, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but, but you know, anyway, oh, sorry. continue. Yeah, sorry. so what, do you, what happens when you, you sort of go back from here's Tom DeLonge and this whole TTSA business and Louis Elizondo is the guy who is the guy who was sort of like the Pentagon whistleblower who, who, right. Uh, he became a household name, at least among ufologists, uh, when that New York times article came out last December, right. Louis Elizondo was part of the, the, what was it? The AATIP, the advanced aerial threat assessment, uh, uh, organization that was funded uh, $22 million uh, uh, gr uh, grant uh, provided by ha Senator Harry Reid to Bob Bigelow. Oh, wow. Right? Right. And so, so Senator, so now we've got the Senate, you know, the, it's, it's official. This is, you know, like right. this is Harry Reid from Nevada, right? Yeah. Well, and his, well, we're, of course he's, uh, giving his money to Bigelow, who's right there in Las Vegas, right? Right. <clears throat> and Bigelow has the air, and supposedly Bigelow has not only his aerospace company, but there's supposedly a wing of that that 
that where he keeps these secret UFO materials that have been recovered, allegedly recovered from wow. from craft and stuff. Um, anyway, but sense. if you take if you go back to Bigelow in the early '90s, well, he he came well he came along in the in the late '80s because he met Hal Putoff, who in turn uh, had been. Uh, uh, sort of shepherding the UFO group that came out of remote viewing and which was part of the Stargate project in the army, in the, D the DIA, I believe, the Defense Intelligence Agency, headed up by... Uh, you can uh, come in. Just be quiet. Sorry. Uh, somebody just came on. Oh, uh, Colonel jo John Alexander, you know, who was him himself uh, uh, involved in, uh, you know, the uh, UFOs and the occult and this is that's how the movie he was the the sort of the guy behind the movie remember the the men who stare at goats yes yeah so alexander yes well that's that's sort of the late 80s that's like john alexander that's that whole project right the sort of the evolution of uh uh that was sri too right wasn't that stanford research institute i don't know well that was eh, no, no i think they let yeah i think hal left sri in the early 80s uh, this was now, uh, you know, Hal has finds his way around, you know. Right. Uh, well, one of the interesting things, you bring up the occult. So you've got Bigelow, Lavenda, but even Valet is not, I mean, his science, he's a scientist, but he, he definitely has, the, he calls himself a heretic among heretics. So he definitely has a much more occult outlook into the UFO phenomenon yeah. than people who believe they're actual literal flying saucers. And the interesting thing about Valet as well is that he researched all this other, well, maybe para-knowledge para subjects like demons, cults, cryptids, yeah. all the psychics. So he um, he has a very, I mean, he fit really well with Lavenda, right? Yeah, he fits in. And uh, in, in many ways, I was just the other day, I, was, I would call him, well, he is, quite possibly the uh, trickster figure in ufology, you know, right, <laughs> you know, uh, but to go back to see the, the whole uh, John Alexander thing, who was also uh, friends with Colonel Michael Aquino, you know, and you bring up, right, the, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, anyway, but, but this grew out of uh, the, this grew out of the demise of remote viewing, which sort of was falling, falling apart in the early to mid eighties. And that's when Hal left SRI and went to Texas, right, in, in you know, mid-'80s. Uh, but uh, if, if we go back, well, this whole – all this stuff about the men who stare at goats, well, that came out of – Hal put off the remote viewing. Well, go back to the early 70s. Uh, so we go back, you know, with Ingo Swan and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, Hal and, and Russell Targ, who are literally like the Simon and Garfunkel. I mean – really a, a remote viewing uh, and they're involved. And so this is what you really need to, uh, if you read the red pill junkies article on, on Jacques talk to the, to the parapsychological association that he gave a few weeks ago. And he's talking about the psychic, uh, you know, how he helped found the internet in, in essence with, by, by uh, bringing in Ingo Swan, you know, and, and, but he doesn't, 
mention, well, wait, the provenance, you got to go back. Where did, where did the protocols for remote viewing come from? Well, they came from Hal Putoff. Where did he get them? Well, he got them from his training in the Church of Scientology. Oh, I had no idea. Wow. And this was everything he, what he did to become a clear and operating Thetan level seven. Uh, those techniques he transform. he brought, that's how, that's where remote viewing comes from. Fascinating. So, so it comes out of, goes from Crowley goes, to Hubbard, uh, put yeah, off so to the as president. soon as you get, then of course, once you get back to Hubbard, right, right. then this is where you can take over because right. Hubbard, okay, Hubbard, Jack Parsons, Parsons and Crowley, and, Crowley right. yeah. and now you can take over for the provenance from there back. Well, yeah, what I can crazy. supply is is from today back to to Jacques, where Jacques Vallée comes in is 1972, where he meets uh, Hal at SRI, but uh, but Jacques has nothing to do with the Church of Scientology, but Hal but Hal Putoff does. Hal Hal Putoff developed remote viewing out of his training as a Scientologist. So if you're going to have Jacques Vallée as, as a as a pioneer of the internet. You, you need to put L. Ron Hubbard even as an earlier pioneer. Pioneer, a future thinker, <laughs> so, right? Science fiction comes reality. Yeah, and, and also Ingo Swan was a level. Uh, Ingo Swan was, didn't meet Hal until 72. However, in the late 60s, Ingo Swan was doing Scientology in New York City. He is an uh, operating Thetan 7. Wow. So Hal Putoff and Ingo Swan and Pat Price, right, the, the former police chief of Burbank, who was a, these, these guys were all Scientologists. Pat Price is one of the greatest remote viewers, right, uh, in the early days. So, wow. I mean, and that's so, what Scientology promises is extra sensory yeah. powers or something. So. And Hal, you know, and then they've got, they uncovered a letter that Hal wrote in the late 60s, you know, uh, as a physicist, you know, praising the virtues of the uh, the e meter and wow. its ability, you know, so so all this comes out of out of Scientology, which comes out of Hubbard, you know, right. which comes out of uh, out of uh, you know, and then there's Jack Parsons, and then oh and Crow and from there it's Crow, you know, Crowley, Crowley Blavatsky. Where did Crowley get his stuff? Blavatsky, the main. And so that to me is once you get once you get past this point or to this point, I said, well, that's where Peter Lavenda comes in because he's writing, you know, about Lovecraft and he's writing and uh, and if, if his Secret Machines trilogy is his version of Crowley's Moon Moonchild, well, right, you know, then it, the past isn't that far past, right? It's he's bringing yeah, so it back let's up. Start, so can we see this whole? So that's that's what for me it was like this amazing revelation because like I was just you know for the last from right. 20 2006 to 16 I was like. I didn't bother with any of this stuff, and it wasn't all of a sudden, you know, the, you when the, Podesta, the WikiLeaks come out, and all this stuff about all right, this. Right, there was like there was one email in there that asked Podesta for a thelema. So somebody used a Crowley term, you know, talking to him as if it was kind of like a. They used it in the context of like a blessing. It was an unusual way to bring thelema up, but uh, oh yeah, yeah, it was fast. So I mean, there's something there. I would I'd need to go through the Podesta emails and type in Lavenda. And search and yeah, because he, up. but 
they were all, you know, of course, you have all of that crazy Pizzagate stuff, but all the stuff about UFOs is all his, they're all to Tom DeLonge. They're all the, oh. the correspondence with Tom DeLonge and Podesta. Fascinating. All, you know, and so that's what, came, see, this came out, and and I think uh, they didn't, this was a, uh, you know, this put, this put a sort of a monkey wrench in their presentation because right. they weren't ready to come out with this stuff, but the, the Podesta well, emails with Tom DeLonge forced their hand. And then, you know, this is the other thing, is that Podesta, you know, being Hillary's campaign manager, well, obviously they were counting on Hillary becoming president. Right. But instead we have Trump. So Hillary, what, so you know. That whole Hillary, connection just died off, right? The connection between Podesta yeah, what, and DeLonge. What is it that guy <coughs> that did not have, you know, because, you know, I think this is what Tom DeLonge and Levin, they were all counting on Hillary, that right. if, you know, when Hillary becomes president, then we will have this disclosure. Wow. Think, so even just that loss changed TTSA's yeah, future plans those, or those future yeah, plans. Yeah, those, those WikiLeaks really. Communications uh, died off. Wow. Yeah, and so it raises that question. Well, how much, you know, I don't know how much uh, that affected, uh, you know, Hillary, Hillary's chances at, you know, at the election. But looking oh, at it now, <laughs> I think that those Podesta emails were a big turning point, and the the, the right wing Trump supporting media made sure to hammer on that. If you looked at Infowars yeah. and the lead up to the election day in 2016. They mentioned the yeah. Podesta emails every 15 minutes, if not more. Uh, yeah, spirit cooking. The these literal, were these were triggers. These were people. Yeah, like, that the was the literal mm. October. You know, yeah, the October that was on October surprise, surprise right? And Stone, yeah. there, there, and there's issues. The issues of how he knew about those WikiLeaks are still at issue today. I think the Independent Council yeah. is ask is trying to wonder whether Stone actually really knew the details of those WikiLeaks, and then you know. I mean, and then you talk about Seth Rich and all that stuff. I mean, that's pretty yeah. incredible stuff. And, yeah, and, and also at that time when they came out, uh, P, the same day that Peter Lavenda had sent that photo of him and Podesta and, and uh, yeah, uh, Tom DeLong right. in it. And, well, that was the day that Jason Horsley did an update on his, uh, on his blog and put that photo in. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and that's how I really connected with Jason Horsley was was again See that because photo. interesting and the the realization that oh my god and he and and it turned out he had a you know long uh, you know back and forth with Peter Lavenda like a year before that and yeah uh, I've had so, a few communications I asked him some questions he actually sent me a long detailed email that I have here somewhere but you know I've actually yeah I mean my he uh, he uh, he was involved in ghostwriting a book that was based upon my research called the most dangerous book in the world, that was published by Trine Day. Wait and, wait wait! You say Jason Horsley? No no no, Peter Lavenda. I've talked to Jason Horsley all the time. Oh yeah yeah right yeah because no, that's how we that's how you and I met right. was through the issue of the uh, most dangerous book in the world. Okay, so we had talked about that. I don't remember that. Okay, so I well, think I were told you saying that. Story. Did, did you you're saying that Peter Lavenda was ghostwriting that for yeah, SK? Absolutely. No, he ghostwrote that book. He was probably the primary writer. And his book, The Sinister Forces, was published through Trine Day. Yeah. So, so but didn't you 
didn't you write and you wrote your version of it, right? Isn't well, it? Well, I would. I wrote my book in 2010. I think Trying Days came out, but they ex. It's. It's a. I mean, I don't want to leave. I'll tell you offline. I, I can't remember how much we had talked about, but they excised oh, okay, a lot yeah. of important. Well, involved. yeah, you don't have to tell me well, about that. Did you that... read the most dangerous book in the world? Did you read that? Yes. Okay. So yeah. do you know how the end? How they formulated all of these numerological events like Tempe, Arizona was going to get blown up by a nuclear bomb. Oh, right, yeah. And all yeah. that nonsense. Well, it's a completely different ending than my book, which I just put out the third edition. So if I think people would really want to know a book that um, has a lot less integrity towards the truth and what I consider my book, I would suggest people read them side by yeah. side and see what happened because the guy, S.K. Bain, you know, if you don't know this, he worked. He worked on a guy who was on the project of the New American Century, which is really uh, the center of everything that happened under the Bush administration was PNAC. I mean, so if people think they're getting the fact. So, I mean, we, I mean, anyway. Yeah. I was well, just I, a little I, minnow when I published my first book. So, yeah, because you know. that was how, that was how I first got connected with you is like what, you know, through LaVenda. Le, Le, and I, it, right? I remember they, that you were credited, or you were mentioned in the acknowledgments. Yes, I was credited on the intro. This, I think yeah. they wrote something like, this book is based upon the research of William Ramsey, but they went off into the into jungle, their own. deep into the jungle, baby, as far as I'm concerned. Because they took, they took all, this, all the incriminating stuff I had about very well-known figures, and they just threw it in the garbage, man. Wow. So, yeah, because yeah, that's what really intrigues me now about Peter Lavenda because it's like he uh, why is he a, a, yeah right no you're bringing up a good point is he a, a gunman for hire right yeah he's he's you not know. gonna go after Christopher Mellon right now the way he went after the Mellons you know before he met Tom DeLong you know right in, well, how in did, sinister forces I mean it's well, a great question uh, how did he get selected for secret machines and how did he get selected for well, the most dangerous yeah, he book got, ever written it was, right? well it was I think it was Tom DeLong uh, now, Tom DeLong himself has, you know, an interesting, uh, like, factoid about his life is that his mother was a very, uh, very staunch, devout, uh, fundamentalist Christian who tried to push that on Tom. Gotcha. So he's and a he, re revolted, yeah. So. Yeah. So he's got kind of this reaction formation going against uh, against his mother's Christianity, but he's he's not going to, you know, ditch his mother. And so what I see is that he has he he is drawn toward Lavenda's non-Christian demonology. Right, right. That that it's and this is what I see is behind the whole TTSA. Well, it's this this is this one you know the, the there's the 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 Christian demonology uh, faction in the in the government. I mean, it's called what is it called the. Uh, the, the Collins group in England, right. I think. Uh -huh. uh, but here is Lavenda, all this stuff with Lovecraft and Crowley and, and all this. And it, that's what Tom DeLong likes because he's able to distance himself from his mother's Christian fundamentalism. But he keeps, you know, he keeps connected with her by falling into the non-Christian demonology right. fundamentalism. <laughs> right. So ufology is a kind of religion, right? I mean, it yeah, kinda, you fought. Yeah, yeah, it's very. Yeah, you just. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I just the stuff about the met. They call it the meta materials, the alleged, uh, uh, all this stuff that was brought, uh, 
you, you know, supposedly fell off or was left by uh, UFOs uh, and uh, secret. Uh, it has mysterious properties. Well, there's just the, the, the latest video on To the Stars was Tom DeLonge and Elizondo uh, showing them fl uh, flying to Ohio to pick up material uh, from somebody said this was from a, a UFO crash. And they bring it and it shows them they drive down to Austin, Texas, and they deliver it to Hal Putoff and Eric wow, Davis. Crazy. And, you know, uh, for the testing, but the testing, they, you, it, they don't give it out to uh, uh, an independent lab. They're controlling it. Interesting. And, and this stuff with the, this reminds me so much of medieval Christianity and the the, the, the worshiping the relics of the saints. Right, interesting. Like, like you can't little, see it. This yeah, is, has power. This is the finger bone of St. Paul, and this has this magical yes. power. This is right? a piece of the, Christ, the cross that Christ had, you know. And, it, and it's... So they had this warehouses is, of, of Christ's cross in the Catholic right. Church. And, yeah. and they had all kinds of, you know, of course they were fake. Uh, right. You know, <laughs> they were Absolutely. like... You know, there were fake relics and they would sell them. And, yeah, yeah and, there was a business. And the thing is, for me, having been raised Catholic, I can look back at this and I say, this is this is not like fundamentalist Christianity, a Protestant like or in, in the in the 19th century. This is like back before the Renaissance. This is medieval right. Christianity. Right. This is like medieval. Even more superstition than the 19th yeah, century. It is, right? More right. faith, With more the, superstition, more ignorance. Yeah, with the More relics. closed doors, yeah. And, and, yeah, and, and the hysteria and paranoia. You yes, know, the, yeah. <laughs> and the fake deaths, the man's always watching them, all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, so, we're, so it's like we've regressed even, you know, it's we, we have regressed back to, uh, like, the, the Dark Ages in a way. That's interesting, <laughs> man. That's amazing. You have an amazing history face-to-face -face with a lot of these people. You know, yeah, yeah, and I just sort of uh, still there. It's pretty remarkable that you were in. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It, it, when I was uh, uh, like a, a <laughs> my one oblique connection with Keith Ranier is that we we're both alumni of the same college, Rensselaer Polytech, oh, RPI in Troy, New York. He, I was class of seventy. He was like class of eighty four. So, uh, but well, even well, you're lucky you never had to compete at him with him. At university, because he has a 220 yeah. IQ, so you would never have had oh, right. a chance for the top grades. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, he had to have you had to have enough smarts to get in, right. and, you know. Yeah, because it good is like school. really good. Yeah, school, yeah. Uh, and what I was I was going to say it when I I was in a fraternity there, and one of my nicknames was Underfoot because I would I would always seem to show up at at times when you know either uncomfortable times or something, and I didn't you know that's why I was like like Forrest Gump, I just sort of, right. uh, I had no intention or consciousness, but I, all of a sudden I was witness to this or, or somebody would confide in me. So, so yeah, so I keep, you know, I don't know, you know, running into, uh, uh, interesting people, Lavenda, Pudhoff. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty remarkable. I mean, yeah. I think that we've done an hour and a half, so I think it's probably all right. That, so with that ending yeah. is probably a great point to book end it what uh how can people contact you tom if they have any inquiries or questions or anything oh yeah i should yeah geez i don't have a website but twitter uh, facebook 
Yeah, I'm I'm Tom Mellett on Facebook. It's M E L L E T T, right? Yeah, Tom, Tom Mellett on Facebook, and I could give my email. Uh, it's up to you if you um, want to. You can. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm Tom Buied at AOL.com. That's T O M B U O Y E D. You know, buoyed up. Buoyed, right. Gotcha. I tried to get Tommy Boy, but it was taken, and I ended up. You know, this is like 20 years ago. Gotcha. <laughs> I still so have the. You still have still, the AOL. You're a hold on, holding yeah, on to the old tech, yeah. At a, yeah, I'm, I'm buoyed up on AOL. <laughs> awesome, Tom well, Millet or Mellet. Thank you so Mellet, much. Yeah, yeah what I a great Mellet. talk. That was really fascinating. Yeah, this is this is great because I've been uh, I've been hoping to. I got all this stuff in here to to talk about, and it really helps me to sort of uh, structure it all together because there is there's a definite. Uh, you know, there's a timeline here that I yes. Well, I think it's fascinating too that you have this background knowledge on something that's really a cultural push. Tom DeLonge yeah. got on the biggest podcast in the world, Joe Rogan, and and made his pitch, which was kind of a curveball pitch, but he still put it out there. You know, yeah. to millions of people, and you know, it's interesting. Some people surmise how did he get on there, what how that happened, but. Um, <laughs> You know, it's still interesting. Lavenda's out there, still a cultural force, and right, so yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. 